Hey, it's good to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. This is our Journey Through Scripture, our Tuesday edition. Hope that you had a good weekend and a good 4th of July last week. So we are continuing our chronological walk through through Scripture, and it's not, not perfect chronologically, but uh, but but close. So we've been we started off going through Acts, and then as Paul hits some different areas, we go into some of his letters that he wrote back to those churches. And so we started First uh, Thessalonians um, right before the Fourth of July. Um, and so we're going to finish that today. Uh, we'll be at chapters three through five of First Thessalonians. Um, so three through five. So the first uh, couple chapters were kind of the, the introduction um, and, you know, talking about how much Paul loves them and how they should act and all of this. And then chapter three gets into a little bit of concern that Paul is, has been worried because um, he, if you remember, he wasn't able to spend as long with the church in Thessalonica. Um, it was whenever he was in the church at Thessalonica getting it started um, that um, he ended up having to flee Um, Because remember how people started following him around, causing problems. He had to flee to Athens, and then that's where he had the um, the debate on Mars Hill uh, in Athens. Uh, And Timothy uh, stayed there in Thessalonica. So, uh, so Paul now is writing. He's heard from Timothy about how things are going, Um, but uh, he's he uh, he he shared his concern. And so, as you start off there in uh, chapter three. Um, he says in verse two, sent Timothy, our brother, brother, the minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Um, so he's saying, I don't want you to be shaken because of what's happening to me and the afflictions that are coming your way. Um, again, this is so important. Um, and we, we live in, in such an interesting time that, uh, you don't go about selling things by telling people how bad it's going to get for them. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of has led to kind of the prosperity gospel, the maybe the health and wealth type uh, style of, of uh, uh, gospel. If you're trying to, to sell people on coming to know Christ, you want to give them all the benefits. Well, there are a lot of benefits, but also it doesn't mean that your life is just magically going to improve. It's not. In fact, it can make it more difficult trying to live a godly life in an ungodly pagan society. So Paul didn't want them to you know, hear his message, accept what he said, and then see the affliction that he was going through and say, man, enough of that. I'm, I didn't sign up for this. All right? So he's, he's concerned that, about that. Uh, verse five, for this reason, uh, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Right? So he wanted to find out and make sure they were still holding strong. And uh, then in verse six, he says, Timothy's come to us and brought us good news of your faith and love that you have always uh, have good remembrance of us. So, right? so, so they have uh, uh stayed faithful. Verse nine, for what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice to you um, for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And so they are really excited that they are holding on to the faith um, and going to be encouraging them. Um, chapter four uh, goes into that, again, that plea to them to make sure 
that they live their life according to to the example of Christ. Um, it says, finally, then this is verse one of chapter four. Finally, then we urge and exhort in Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, right? That you should continue to grow just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So he's saying, I want you to continue to grow. Don't, don't be satisfied where you are uh, in a sense and just kind of take for granted, you know, hey, we believe in Jesus and we receive forgiveness. Great. Now we can just go about doing whatever. No, abound more and more, grow closer to God. Um, and he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, right? Sanctifying us, making us more like him. Um, that process of becoming more like Christ, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, I just want to make this, you know, sexual issues um, have become, are always a cultural hot hot point um, and are <laughs> cause lots of division in our culture today. And, and I know there are some who say, you know, let's, we need to just quit talking about that. Well, the reason that sexual issues do become the forefront is because they are the check engine light of a society and of an individual. If you cannot control your own sexual desires, um, it's going to be difficult for you to, to start to, to mold your life to, to fit that, that Christ has called you to live. Right. And, and we see that in societies, the, the more sexually deviant they become, the, fur, the further they are getting away from God. Um, and we see all throughout scripture that the sexual immorality is one of the first things that's listed. It doesn't mean that it's the worst sin. Um, it just means it's an indicator of the direction you're headed. Um, and so what he says, the will for God is for you to be sanctified in him. So if you are still sexually immoral, you're, you're probably not headed in the right direction. You need to evaluate that. You need to allow God to start changing your heart, change your perspective, change what you're putting into your mind, um, right? It's so important to do that so that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such things and also forewarned you and testified for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he reject, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us the Holy Spirit. So if, if you know, it's basically saying, if you don't like dealing with sin and talking about sin and getting sin under control in your life, you're, you're actually disobeying God, not man. Right, it is it is God who has uh, given us those commandments and the ways that we should live. Um, he continues kind of talking about the life that he does, that God desires for us to have. Um, he says, uh, but concerning brotherly love, this is in verse nine. Uh, you who have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another and do so. 
But we urge you that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands uh, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Right? They, the, the desire is them for them to have a quiet life, a, a meaningful, a fulfilled life. And at the same time, they know, and Paul knows, that that's not always the case. But that is, that is what God desires, but yet we live in this fallen world where that's not always going to happen. Um, and Paul actually addresses one of those things that is frustrating that we have to deal with, and that's death. So clearly one of the things that the early church had to work out is they believed that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. Um, and so as time goes by, Jesus is not returning, and now they're seeing those whom they love who, love, who also have loved Jesus, now they are dying. And so there are clearly were some questions about, hey, what's, what's going on? You know, what do we do with this? And so Paul uh, is responding to that with words of encouragement. And uh, this is chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Or is, is it so that you don't grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope, right? He's not saying we don't grieve. He's saying we grieve with hope. So you're, it's still going to hurt. It's going to, to be something that you grieve over whenever you lose someone that you love. But we can do that with hope because we know that they are now with Christ. And he goes and uses some of the similar language that fits right back to the Old Testament of you, the trumpets of Christ calling the gathering to, to, together and how uh, all will be gathered and, and be with Christ, that he is going to leave no one behind. Um, and the purpose of this whole passage is in verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. So encourage each other. So whenever you're going through those difficult times and grieving, um, grieve with hope and comfort each other with the truth of knowing that you will be with God. And uh, then it uh, go, goes into the day of the Lord. And so, uh, again, this is clearly they're, they're having questions of, again, why has this not uh, happened? It says, for you yourselves, uh, verse 2, know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief at night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as they labor pains upon pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Uh, but you are not in darkness, so that the day should not overtake you. Uh, like a thief. You are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of, of night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Um, so it's being prepared that, that we do not get consumed by the darkness around us. Um, but verse eight, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as the helmet of the hope of salvation. Um, again, therefore, comfort each other edifying one another just as you are, are doing. So be prepared um, you know, that God may come at, at any time, but we do not need to focus on the darkness. So kind of what they were doing is like, God, look at how bad it is. Why aren't you coming? Hurry up, come back. And I have to admit, I empathize with that. Um, as I look at the world around us, sometimes I'm like, okay, God, it's time, to, time for you to come on back. Um, but what he says is, don't be consumed by that. You are not of the darkness. You are of the day. So be sober-minded. Be prepared. Continue to live in faith and live righteously, uh, right? Even in the in the face of the darkness around you. 
And then he gives different, closes with some more uh, encouragement, exhortations. Um, verse 14 of uh, chapter 5. Now we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both yourselves and for all. Right? Again, this good and evil, we see that throughout all of Scripture. God is a God who wants to purge evil and wants to, to allow good to overcome. And we have to be a source of that. We can be a source of either evil or we can be a source of good. Um, then he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, he's speaking to our perspective on life, how important it is that we should have a, an attitude and a heart that can rejoice always. Doesn't mean we're always going to be happy. Happy is an emotion that goes up and down. Being joyful is something rooted in something bigger, rooted in the fact that we know that we are not alone, that God is with us no matter what we may be going through. So we can rejoice even on the most difficult day. So we rejoice always. We pray without ceasing. Obviously, that doesn't mean you're in the corner doing nothing but having your head bowed, but you are in constant awareness of God's presence. Your life is a constant um, a, a conversation with God that you are praying without ceasing, um, and that you in everything giving thanks, not giving thanks for every circumstance, but giving thanks to God and giving thanks for how God will use whatever circumstances you, you are in for the good. Um, it says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, prophecies, test all things. Oh, today we need to be testing all things. Hold fast what, what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Stay away from it. And that's, that is made more complicated. That should be something simple. But we now live in a society who we, we disagree with each other on what is good and what is evil. Um, so therefore, you have to be testing the spirits. You have to be <laughs> not testing the prophecies, testing the teachings, what fits with Scripture. Um, that um, we have to follow that. That is the basis for our truth. And we don't have to be ashamed from that. And we strive to abstain from every form of evil and to do good. All right. So on Thursday, let's look at Second Thessalonians, uh, the whole thing, chapters one through three. Second Thessalonians on Thursday. We'll see you then.